Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Not as exciting as the first win last year, but I'm happy that we're here talking about a W. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. I kind of just wish we could play the Jets every week. <laughs> oh. No, that'd be really boring. I actually. might start taking naps during the game if <laughs> that the, was the case. Are the Jets going to be on our schedule next year, and can they also be our first win in the 2020 <laughs> NFL season? It's a nice tradition. I'm yeah, pretty nice sure tradition. we're not tradition playing unlike the any other. East next year, so no. Um, so if you're living under a rock and you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you probably know that on Monday Night Football, the Browns defeated the Jets 23-3. to um, Underwhelming um, offensively, but very stellar performance by our defense, holding the Jets to only three points. Our defensive line played fantastic. Miles Garrett with three sacks. Very exciting. Now leads the league in sacks with five. Yep, yep. And honestly, all that anyone was talking about in the broadcast, um, Booger McFarland in particular, was that Miles Garrett needs to be more disciplined and needs to not jump off sides and can't, you know, beat the quarterbacks into the ground and get those personal fouls. He's not jumping off sides. Well, they're not even giving us a chance to evaluate after the fact whether he did or not. They didn't even show the replay on that particular play. I thought it was a good jump on the second one in particular. The first one, I think he may have actually been offsides. But it does happen over and over again, and it's frustrating. And I do wonder if there's a way for the Browns to provide evidence that he's not going offsides and like for that to get curbed in some way. It certainly seems like Miles Garrett is playing at a level that no one else does, and because he stands out and looks different with his ability than everyone else, he's getting the whistle and well, the flag well, every good single grief. time. He, he's certainly the first person moving, and he is past the offensive tackle by the time the offensive tackle moves. So I, I, in a way, I, I don't blame the officials for just like ref, impulsively throwing the flag. But – in a lot of these situations, we got to do a sports side. We got to get John Brinkus on this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we need a sports side and just measure things that don't even matter. Just like the angle that Miles Garrett like pushes off from. And Miles like, Garrett's head is twenty four <laughs> inches around. <laughs> the brink. No, but a lot of these like it's a five yard offside penalty. Like in the right context, isn't that painful? for the benefit of potentially getting a, a, a sack to change the game, right? So I, I could care less if Miles Garrett leads the league in offsides penalties as long as they are intelligently and appropriately timed so as to not impact our defense too negatively. Yeah, what do you guys think about those personal fouls? Miles got two personal fouls. Uh, for roughing the passer, one of them, it looked like he absolutely broke Trevor Simeon's leg, um, which was pretty brutal to watch. But I, I really feel like it was an adequately timed hit. The like, it, it is one of those ones that's right on the line. I get why they called it. It's in accordance with the rule. But I don't. I'm not like mad at Miles for that situation. But like those are frustrating situations because that was a third and long play that they did not convert, and because of the personal foul, they keep driving. And I don't know if that's when they got that the is that's when they three got their points, points or not. Or so, I mean, that resulted in some points that shouldn't have been points. Um, the second one, I particularly did not think was a personal foul. I thought the timing was much closer on the second one whenever he got called for it. But Well, because that's a situation where Miles is tra- trailing the play. Simeon stops, resets his feet, launches. Like, you got to get to him and try to affect the pass. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, absolutely. My thing is, is if he's pump faking, there's no way for the defensive player to know that. Like, how is he supposed to play that? any other way i just don't know what yeah you're supposed to do they talked about on the broadcast that the first foul was for landing on his full body weight on trevor simeon which just didn't happen like like it it just it just didn't happen and we talked about this during the broadcast that if you're a defender coming in to hit a quarterback there's there's nowhere to hit him you you can't hit him low because it's a personal foul because you could take out their knees you can't hit him high because any contact at the head is a personal foul if you just hit him in the target area in the chest and drive through like you're supposed to, 
you land on top of the player and it becomes a personal foul for putting your full body weight on the player. I don't know what you're supposed to do shy of just like pushing them to the ground, which is a decent option in some cases, but in other cases will result in not finishing the play and letting the quarterback get out. Yeah, try to push Jameis Winston to the ground. Like, you can't. Yeah, or or Big Ben or something. Or when you don't just have a clean target, you know? Yeah. Like, what the heck are you supposed to do? So I feel bad for these guys. I, I always do. I mean, neither of these were as bad as the Bradley Chubb um, roughing the passer call yesterday. But I don't, I don't know what Miles is supposed to do. I feel bad that he's going to get fined for both of these, probably. And But I, he's... I like the way Miles is playing. I feel like that Talladega night seed. You know what, Chip? I like the way Miles is playing. <laughs> I like the way he's I talking like to way, you, Chip. I like the way he's talking to you, Chip. I want Miles to keep playing that way. Yeah, I, like if it's these penalties, fine. Lead, lead the league in penalties as, as the defensive end. Like you're getting to the quarterback first and you're playing hard and, and fair. Like you're not, you're not going out of your way like taking cheap shots. Is this a James Harrison, like, taking people out over the middle or Vontez Perfect yeah. scrambling Colt McCoy's brain? Not like, really. No. Like, it's it's just not. And so, so speaking of penalties, uh, this week we went nine penalties for 85 yards, a far cry from what we experienced last week that completely took us out of the game. Um, pretty, honestly, if that's within the realm of normal, like you mentioned last week on the pod, right, Matthew? Yeah, I mean, it was it was five to eight penalties a week was was kind of the okay. range for NFL teams. So this this is probably on the high side, but but a lot better than eighteen. A lot better than eighteen, and that yardage of only eighty five. We had three fifteen yard penalties in this game: the two Miles Garrett ones, and then that last one in the last like thirty seconds, the the Mac Wilson like personal foul. personal foul lowering your head. Like I don't even take that out of the equation, right? I mean, this this might as well be eight penalties for seventy yards. Yeah, which I'm fine with. It's a whole heck of a lot of improvement. Um, one of the things that I want to talk about, and I know you want to talk about, uh, is Baker. Baker went he he went nineteen for thirty five, three hundred twenty five yards, so a fair amount of yardage, one touchdown, one interception, at a quarterback rating of eighty three point six. Took three sacks for twenty yards. Didn't look comfortable again. Was we were just we weren't clicking on offense, and the first portion of the game, it just didn't seem like we were making very good calls relative to the defensive alignment, or maybe Baker wasn't diagnosing what was going on very well. One of the two, but it took us forever to get in rhythm. We couldn't score points. We got down there. We had that ridiculous Odell catch. We were first and goal at the three, and like we didn't even get close to scoring. You can't have that happen early in the game particularly when you've got like scripted plays and stuff like that on one of your first drives you've got to be able to get a touchdown in those situations if if that happens on sunday night that's like the type of you know negative outcome on a drive that's going to put you behind and cause you to lose a game yeah i think we were three for 14 on on third down or it's probably more than that it was like five for five for something we weren't good on third down um I will say both of these teams that we've played thus far, um, they're teams that like to like to do a lot of things on defense, disguise coverage, um, kind of mix it up. And he seems to be struggling with that. And I don't know how much of it is what the defenses are doing, how much of it might potentially be a new offensive scheme and trying to kind of work through, through those hiccups as well. But at the end of the day, if we're going to – if we're going to end up making the playoffs this year, Baker Mayfield's going to have to play better, and I don't know if that's on him to just step his game up or if that's on the coaching staff to help him out, put him in a better position, uh, maybe give him easier reads, whatever it is, because yeah. we've got to, <clears throat> got to get more offensive production. Well, well, Michael, you seem to think that it's the offensive play calling that's affecting Baker, but there's That was my clearly, first inclination, but I'm no expert to throws know. that he's missing. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what happened with that Odell throw that was wide open. There was some contact. It was like 30 yards down the field, but then there was also a, there's a there's Darnish been a, Johnson throw that he left at Darnish Johnson's feet. Just like the Hilliard throw from week one. I mean, just real bad misses on a simple throw. 
that Landry throw, like that was just sh- that short cross early in the game. Yeah, where it was high. He threw it high and high too and hard. High. It was bad. That David Njoku throw that got David Njoku hurt was very high. It and it does definitely seem like he's taking a while to read the defense and like make a decision. Like has not been very decisive. The like key play of this game was Odo Beckham, you know, 89-yard touchdown pass and it was the quick um, play action pass where it was just a quick read and it was like the play action toss it right up the seam to Odo Beckham like those are the type of plays we saw him succeed with last year in the Freddie Kitchens version of the offense and we hadn't seen much of it at all through these first two weeks with the exception of seemingly that one play well there was also i mean to be fair there was a couple situations like we saw this um it actually ended up being a a sack for baker i'm pretty sure but it was a third down we tried to do a bubble screen um up to the right and the defense defender cashman was was in the way but so we we could have hit those but the problem becomes when we don't hit those we we can't get out of the the hole when that comes, because we're not hitting the big plays as well, and it, the offense just seems out of rhythm. Like it, it doesn't seem like everybody's confident in what we're trying to do. That's why I was calling this whole game for us to try to go up tempo a little bit. Because every time you've seen it in the preseason, or even in last week when we had to go up tempo a little bit, Baker got into rhythm, and you got to see it happening. And if the if the problem is the defenses are disguising coverage. They're going to have a much harder time doing that if we're going up-tempo and they're having to keep up with what we're doing on offense. How about we let us dictate what's going on on the field and make them have to catch up? We've got the playmakers to keep teams on their toes. Let's take advantage of it. Um, I thought we'd do that a little bit more. It wasn't absolutely necessary because we pretty much had control of this game. There is a part of me that wonders, are we holding any of the offensive system back a little bit? And not showing all of our cards um, until we hit some of these bigger games. Like it'll be interesting to see if we see a few more wrinkles in yeah. Week Three against the Rams. Because I mean that that would be a game where if you're still holding stuff back, why? <laughs> like, yeah. what, what what are you waiting for? Right, you're you're at home in a big game Sunday night, Week Three against a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. I also wonder um, Higgins did not play in this game. He was out with a knee injury from last week. Um, Njoku left this game, I think it was the middle of the second quarter, um, fairly early on overall. I think it was the first quarter. It might have been the first quarter. but yeah. Sorry, but I'm yawning. It's a little late. <laughs> early nonetheless. <laughs> Michael, clearly bored by the information he's presenting to you. <laughs> That's the most on-brand thing. Um, I wonder how much of those two guys, not necessarily Higgins, but if Njoku was a bigger part of this offensive game plan, coming into this week, and then not having him out. And we don't really have a guy to fill that spot, you know? I mean, Ricky Seals-Jones is the closest thing, I would think. And he did get a few snaps late, but nobody else, as far as the tight ends go, can catch a ball and make the athletic play. You saw Pharaoh Brown on that wheel route, didn't even know the ball was thrown. Thrown it, his way. It was way. like bouncing at his ankles because he, <laughs> well, he just completely missed but it. But also, there's something to be said about Higgins not being there because Higgins has always been a safety net for Baker. And whenever Baker's in trouble, he looks for Higgins, and they clearly have had that connection in the past. And so I wonder if he's had happy feet through the first two weeks. He's been uncomfortable. He took three sacks this week, not because our offensive line played poorly, but because he was taking too long to read the defenses. I, I wonder if Higgins is there. He seems to be able to look straight to him. And I think it's a huge hit for us whenever Higgins isn't there as yeah. our third wide receiver. I will say uh, um, a positive note for our offense was Damian Ratley, I thought, played really well in the, in the snaps that he got. Uh, when, when the ball was thrown to him, he, he made the catch, made got some, some yards plays. after the catch. Yeah. Like, made up some ground going downfield to block for OBJ on that long oh, touchdown yeah. run. I mean, that's, he was, the I mean, only he was guy running the, on a straight line, and OBJ was kind of running at an angle. But, but still. the only guy on the field who could possibly catch Odell Beckham was, I, was I also if, on our team. I don't know if this is true. I just read it on Twitter. But apparently that OBJ catch for 89 yards was the fastest a player's been clogged yet this season. Now, it's only week two, but at 21.7 yards. Or I don't think that's 21.7 miles per hour. I think hour. that's the fastest a Browns player's probably been clogged. Because I think I saw some other players were at like 23 or 24. Could be, but 21.7. That's that's speeding in a school zone. So, 
<laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> the refs will probably flag him for that next week. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, Ratley showed himself to be a more than serviceable fifth receiving option on this team. And staying so, on the offensive side of the ball, Nick Chubb did Nick Chubb things. Like, not dude, sexy, but good gracious. Like, dude is so, like, centered. Like, he, we talked about it, how he keeps his balance, he keeps his weight over his feet. And defenders can come swiping his feet. Defend, yeah. We're, I think there's going to be a Nick Chubb game at some point in the future where he doesn't actually ever touch the ground. <laughs> One time. Yeah. <laughs> Where the he, plays will get whistled dead because his forward momentum stopped, or he'll end up breaking tackles and going out of bounds, but will never hit the ground. And I'm, also, another positive, our offensive line played well this week. I mean, compared to last week with all of our holding penalties, all of that atrocity that happened last week, our offensive line looked serviceable, manageable, and... There was a little Greg Robinson holding penalty. There was a few pressures, but seemed to be mostly because Baker was holding on to the ball a little bit long. I mean, everything you could have hoped for. And granted, the Jets don't exactly like possess even like a decent like edge rushing presence. So this is probably the perfect bounce back game for the offensive line. And um, yeah, I think stability but, just makes all the difference. Like, and if you start replacing guys on the offensive line mid game, it becomes so difficult. And what we had to go through last week with replacing those guys, it's a situation that you're destined to fail. You can't possibly plan for. Uh, one of the things we haven't talked about yet, very exciting. Odell had himself a game. He had six catches, 161 yards, a touchdown, that ridiculous catch on the sideline during the first quarter. Um, he had 10 targets, the long of 89 yards. Greg Williams was livid. He is what we thought. That's what we thought Odell could do. It's very exciting to see him actually do it in a Browns uniform. That catch was stimulating catch on the sideline was crazy <laughs> and then the 89 yard slant as soon as he got the ball in his hands and you saw how much space he had you're like oh he's gone uh, right like a- like it's a greg williams defense so i knew there was a safety out there somewhere they're just replayed but- that on sports center right now and it went to the greg williams rant as it was going on <laughs> which like i was really excited when odell like brought that to the house as it was happening we were jumping up and down and high-fiving and hooting and hollering i think i was much more pleased to see greg williams <laughs> upset like that it was so beautiful oh my goodness he was absolutely livid um so positive signs positive signs we continue to get odell that just get him into space get him the ball get him into space and he'll 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 do the rest for you yeah absolutely so um odell led the team with six um receptions next most was for how many yards uh six receptions 161 yards an average of 26.8 yards per reception fantastic you gotta you gotta take that then Nick Chubb. Um, then after that, it was Darnish Johnson and Jarvis Landry tied with three receptions. So, didn't not a prolific offensive night, especially passing the ball. It was pretty poor. It was also a weird game. I I would have to think, and this is kind of why I made the comment about wondering if we're holding back a little bit of our game plan. Like, if you just match us up head to head against this team, we're better at about nearly every position. Yeah, at what and point- I would have said the same thing last week against the Titans. Now, the Titans were a more disciplined team, and we got a few punches in the gut with penalties and players getting kicked out and all sorts of things. We were playing behind the sticks, and we didn't end up sticking with the Titans. I would say they're certainly a more talented team than the Jets. But I think that you still think you can line up your guys and go toe-to-toe, and you don't have to go and pull things out of your back pocket in order to pull off the W. And I also think that you get a couple possessions into this game and you realize that this is under control like we're this is going our way we're not we're not going to do anything crazy if we have to pull it back out in the fourth quarter do something a little more aggressive because something happens and it's close so be it but you're gonna go into cruise mode but I would prefer cruise mode to be something that involves Baker Mayfield completing more passes than every 50 yeah I agree. Um, so we're one and one now. We're back at 500. Our next five opponents are the Rams on Sunday night, 
We all know that that game's coming. We'll see you in Cleveland at the Muni lot. We play the Rams. They're 2-0. Then we play the Ravens, also 2-0. 49ers, Seahawks, Patriots. All five of our next opponents are 2-0. How many of these games do you think we can win? Going all the way to the Patriots game? I'm clearly still bored. Um, going all the way to the Patriots game? Is that what you're saying? Yep. So that's four or five games? Five games. I definitely think we are have a real good chance to beat the Ravens. The Ravens have not played anyone thus far. They might have played the two worst teams in the NFL. And well, granted, well, the no. Ravens are better than most people like thought they were going to be, particularly their offense so far. But they're playing the Dolphins and the Cardinals, who like also do not have much of a defense. Like, and they the Cardinals and stuck with the Ravens. To score points. Like, they don't have defenses and they can't score points. So yeah. the Ravens haven't had to do much. And the Ravens' front seven is where I have the biggest questions. Like, their secondary is pretty solid, although they've sustained some injuries already. And I I just have my questions. I want to see. They're playing the Chiefs this week. They're playing the Chiefs. So it's we'll gonna, learn quick. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. So that's definitely a win for me. I think we're pretty even with the Seahawks. The Seahawks are one of those teams, though, that's so well coached and so disciplined, and you're playing against a, an established quarterback like Russell Wilson. That's the type of game that concerns me a little bit. Like for a young team like the Browns, having to, I think that's going to be a close game. And in a close game like that, I think the Seahawks definitely have an advantage over us. And so I'm a little bit worried about one like that. But that Seahawks game is in Cleveland. Yep. Seahawks are traveling from the West Coast to Cleveland to play us, which is favorable there. We've got the Rams coming up this week, also in Cleveland, which we gotta take we gotta take one of those two games. And we need to take one of those two games. Yeah. And that New England game is coming off of our bye week. And New England's coming off Monday night football. All that New England game is probably the only game I'm gonna pick against the Browns in the entire season. Like And we'll we'll see where that they're team at. is so I mean, that's, dang good. that's still so far away from now. Four weeks from now. Things could look a lot And if Greg Williams... And six weeks from now because we got a bye week. Antonio Brown could have brought that whole team down (laughs) from the inside by that point. What if Antonio Brown single-handedly sunk the ship of the Patriots? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It would be impressive. But the thing that scares me the most about the Patriots right now, and people have been giving them this credit um, as they deserve, their defense is just smothering people. And, and if, like, gonna... Greg Williams' defensive scheme was, like, confusing us a little bit today, good God, I don't want to see what's going to what happen Belichick whenever Belichick, like, draws up his plan to stop Baker Mayfield. So that's a concern. No, absolutely. I mean, this is, a, this is by far the toughest stretch of our schedule here. Once we, once we get through these next five games, though, it, it lightens significantly, especially in light of some of, the, some of the news. So what's a major victory, two out of the three games or two out of the five games? I think that you're okay. You're comfortable and not panicking if you're sitting at three and four at the end. Yeah, of I think that you want to get you want to get two wins, but it's also about how you play. I think you want to learn that you can play with all of these teams. I mean, I want three wins, and I think we definitely can get three wins out of that stretch. But if we're only at two, I think we're in just also, fine shape. If we're talking about teams that we don't know what they are because of the teams they've played, the 49ers. 49ers haven't played anybody yet. Their two games have been against. They beat the. Oh, I, I'll look it up. They beat the Bengals. They beat and the, they beat the Bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think they are on the road at the Steelers this week. So we'll see what we learn from them. I mean, we may be playing them in Week Four or Five or whatever it is, and still not really know. But they could easily beat a Ben Roethlisberger. Less Steelers and yeah, still absolutely. not know any. Absolutely. And so I think, I mean, I think we can get three wins out of this next five. It's conceivable. I don't know if it's likely. I mean, you've got the 49ers. That's Ravens, a, that's a Seahawks, tough road game 49ers. Yeah. You lose to the Rams and the Patriots and you're, 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 you're doing pretty that. good. Yeah. So, so we'll, we'll see what, how the Browns respond. It'll be, we most, need to get the offense rolling. I'm, I'm confident our defense can, can hang. I'm a little bit – I think our defense is so solid, and the game plan has been, like, real conservative in these first two weeks. Like, I want to see 
I don't feel like we're we haven't blitzed at all. Right. Which I think is probably going to be like pretty consistent. These like inept offensive teams that we've been playing. So it's I know. Like so it's the like best hard one to know thing to what to do against the Jets is like nothing. Yeah. You know. <laughs> like just don't wait. open yourself. <laughs> wait for them to lose. Let yeah. them crap all over themselves. <laughs> oh man. So uh, this it will be a, a very interesting next next six weeks. Yeah, I'm just super intrigued. I hope I don't drink too much and can actually focus on watching the game t- next week. Yeah. Because <laughs> we are going to be there in person, and we are very excited. Planning on drinking all day. Yeah. And then going to that's, the game. That's going to happen. Um, yeah, it's going to happen. We can, re- we can rewatch it on game It's going to be so much freaking fun if we pull off that game. It will be. I want to say, if anybody has a good spot to watch the, the Chiefs-Ravens game, at at one Eastern on on Sunday, we will be staying downtown. We'll be downtown, only blocks from the stadium, to be perfectly honest. And um, would love an opportunity to watch that game. There's got to be some tailgate TVs. Yeah, whoo, that'd be a good time. All right, so some news from the NFL and from the AFC North. Uh, Big Ben is out for the rest of the season. Big Ben is not playing. That does elbow not elbow surgery. Elbow surgery. We'll see what the surgery specifically is. He has said that he intends to come back after the surgery next season and intends to play out the rest of his contract. But we'll see how that turns out. And they traded a 2020 first round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick. So they gave up their first round pick. They don't have Big Ben. They do have Minka Fitzpatrick. An interesting bag of goods there. I I don't it's know. Like, I like so I don't. Enough. They don't really. It doesn't jive together. Like so. Yeah. I I really like Minka Fitzpatrick, and on first glance, I was bummed that the Steelers got him. On the flip side, I tweeted this from our account today that the one thing I was worried about with his Big Ben injury was that the Steelers would be bad enough to be in line for one of the top quarterbacks in the 2020 NFL Draft and be able to kind of just like roll or stumble into another dominant quarterback and be good for the next Like the Colts. Years. Like the Colts did with, with Peyton wow. Manning, Andrew Luck. Well, let's see how that worked <laughs> out. Um, but that's not going to be the case anymore because they don't have their first-round pick. They just sent it down to Miami. So great get for Miami. Like I know Mink is a good player, but they have an opportunity to potentially get a top five, top ten yeah, Pick I mean, I mean the, the Steelers. F- the floor for this Steelers team is, is, is pretty freaking low. Is zero and sixteen? Like th- <laughs> no, no, they are not going to go zero no. and sixteen. They won't go. Let's see. Who that's the the, that's they're the not going to lose to the Dolphins. That offense has no playmakers. They went all in on Big Ben being able to make stuff happen. They they play the Bengals twice. They play the Bengals twice. They're going to play the Dolphins. They're definitely going to win a few games. There's the like, Bengals are a better team in their current state than they, the Pittsburgh Steelers are. They play right those, now. They play those Jets. Ah, uh, the Steelers yeah. just got Minka Fitzpatrick though too. They're not going to go. But the rest of that secondary is terrible. Two wins is the floor. Three wins is the floor. Something like that. I'll go two. But I don't know what this offense is going to do, and the defense is not nearly good enough to do. They're they are not even close to like an average NFL defense. They're I, bad. I like hearing you say that. I I will say. They're I bad. Hope that we roll over them in both of our games because beating the Steelers twice in one season will be a wonderful feeling. Yes, that would be fantastic. When was the last time that happened? I, oh, has it ever? Decades. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, probably, I don't. The history of time. Not, not in my lifetime. Quite literally, decades. Um, but Minka Fitzpatrick is a really, really good football player. Yeah. No, we're gonna have to play for, play against him for a while now. Yeah. Next. I'd rather play four years. I'd rather play against Minka for for the next four years or however long it is than play, play against, against a, a quarterback for fifteen. Yeah. No. It. It's kind of like a blessing in disguise, like you like you explained. I seriously thought that they were going to be in contention for one of those top top picks and top quarterbacks, whether it's Tua or Herbert or whoever it might be. Um, I want to know. That's definitely not a consideration. It's so interesting to me because this is not what you've seen from the Steelers. In the last six months, they have made two trades, giving up top draft capital in order to move up and get another player. They did it on draft day to move up to get their middle linebacker, and they just did it today 
giving up a future first-round draft pick in order to land Minka Fitzpatrick. I want to know if this deal was agreed to before Roethlisberger went down. I can't imagine you would agree to trade a player who was playing on the weekend because Minka played. He actually played really well, like probably the only player who played well in that Patriots-Dolphins game. But why do you do this if you're the Steelers? Like I, it doesn't I, make sense to me. I, I know I like Minka. I like his contract status. I like all of that. Like it's not that bad to give up a first round pick, but like knowing that you have the possibility of being really really bad this year, and then coming back and relying on a quarterback who's going to be thirty eight, thirty nine, coming off an elbow surgery, and yet even considering that Big Ben, if it is like a Tommy John type surgery might not even be ready to go at this time next year based off of this surgery. Like, it's not... This is a win-now type of move, and And they're they're, not in a win-now window. This seems like borderline malpractice. Yeah, it's it's super odd. It is strange. I joked, like, right when we saw it. Like, what if they had something in writing that was like, we offer you these terms and it's good for like 48 hours. And they offered it like, you know, before the games yesterday. We, we thought Big they Ben changed. gets hurt and then and then Big Ben news comes out and the Dolphins cash it in and say, like, yes, yeah. please. Yep. Yeah. We thought you, we you want- are the highest bidder. Your <laughs> draft pick will certainly be worse than everyone else's that we've offered and we will accept it. Thank you very yeah, much. I mean, that's that would be the. Just horrible on the Steelers' part. We thought that, that they traded most... for the wrong Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Maybe they needed Ryan. Yeah, a first-round <laughs> pick for Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> hey, we need a quarterback, man. Somebody who can sling it. At least there's no confusion when someone's watching a Dolphins game and they're talking about Fitzpatrick now. Now we yeah. know. Now we know who it is. Yeah. Oh uh, well, looking forward to next week. Um, hopefully, it's more entertaining than this game. Uh, but like we've been trying to do, we call in. Um, talking to a fan of the opposing team. So this week I got the chance to uh, call my buddy Danny to talk about the Rams. He grew up in L.A., has watched the Rams through their transition from L.A. to St. Louis and now back to L.A. So got the chance to talk to Danny. So, Danny, welcome to the pod. Is Aaron Donald okay? I know he left the game with like a back injury yesterday. I think he came back. I I think he came back actually yesterday. So, yes, he's okay. Okay, I'm terrified of this game, actually. I mean, this is, this is like I'm a real team. Is not um, doesn't worry me. As I've thought about this, there's a lot in common with Rams and Browns fans. I think so. The move, and then like I don't know. There's no temptation to fight, to cheer for the Ravens. The L.A. The Lakers and Dodgers are really all that matter out there. Um, you mean UCLA football isn't pulling a big contingent? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> no. Um, and, or even SC football, unless they're, you know, like cheating um, and Pete Carroll's running <laughs> things. Like nobody cares about much. Um, did you see the, like last year when the Rams hit the field goal to go to the um, Super Bowl, they had scenes from bars in LA and people were like, oh, cool, that'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> They're just not the most passion-filled fans. So they moved to St. Louis. The year I moved to Nashville, they moved to St. Louis. And um, it was, like, fun to cheer for them. But then, like, they got those nasty jerseys. And it was just – it was hard to stay engaged, but I did. But then when they moved back, and, like, even the jerseys, like, the feeling I have toward those um, – Towards, like, the blue and blue white and ones. Gold, yeah. yeah, I just love them. And so – when they wear those or wear those in the Super Bowl. And I think, like, the Browns, like, you get the team. It's, it's different because it's expansion, but um, just what comes back and the legendary Browns uniforms. I just – I imagine you feel similarly, uh, even if – yeah, similarly to, to what I feel with the Rams wearing those jerseys that look like the jerseys from the 80s. Yeah, so overall, you're – even though they're further away from you, you're – happy that they're back in LA. Oh man. Now like, as a Rams fan. Myself. Like it feels them being back in LA is um You're probably the only person who cares by the sounds. I am yes, in the whole country. Like <laughs> even out there, it's not that big of a deal. I, I mean if you've watched the games, the home games, they have a ton of fans for the other team every home game. It was really kind of Stan Kroenke to move the Rams Rams back just for you. 
It was, yeah. <laughs> That's another thing in common with Cleveland. Um, a few good years in the 80s, but mostly misery, um, except for those that run in um, 2000. But So are you all in on the Sean McVay train? I mean, what, what's, not to, what's not to like, to be honest? But like, how yeah. do, you, do you feel like it's going to run its course? Do you feel like he's in it for the long haul? Like, how do you, what are your thoughts? I think there are things that make me nervous. I, the way he um, just melted, like being in the same uh, building as Bill Belichick was not, my favorite evening of 2019, but then also um, he's just a little too, uh, I always say the right things, like the way he takes credit for every loss. Do you remember, um, so you went to high school with somebody that I coached in basketball and he would always, <laughs> I'm not going to name names, but I know who you're talking he, about. he would always say my bad. And one day the head coach just snapped and yelled like, stop saying that. And I feel like McVeigh has a little bit of that my bad syndrome where it's like, that's fine, buddy. Um, quit <laughs> making the same mistakes. Uh, it's not heroic to always say it's your fault when you're not learning. Um, so I love him. It's better than Jeff Fisher, but, uh, well, yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah. there's a lot of things that are better than Jeff Fisher. Like, yeah. <laughs> like any statistically above average NFL head coach. Like Freddie Kitchen. <laughs> yeah, Freddie Kitchen's <laughs> Still early, but likely better than Jeff yes. Fisher, I would say at this point. Um, so what do you? Th- so you said that you're not that concerned about this game. We're recording at halftime I mean, on Monday Night Football. Yeah, I, that's, like, I th- that might have been what prompted me to ask if we were recording because I am superstitious and I wouldn't want to say that on the record. But they, I have not seen anything this evening that makes me nervous. Um, but they were they played the Titans last week, so we got them in Nashville, and they're this week and it's like shockingly bad um well I mean, I, welcome you don't you haven't watched a lot of browns football have you i mean i i mean <laughs> i've seen because i'm actually thinking this is going pretty good <laughs> like this yeah but the i mean the jets um and last week i chalked a lot of it up to we lost our left tackle um greg robinson who you should be familiar with um because yes. he kicked somebody in the face so he got kicked out um, <laughs> and then, you. Who asked your grandpa about that? Was that Michael or Mark? I don't think it was Mark. <laughs> and you've met my grandpa. You know for a fact he's yes. kicked someone oh, yeah. in the face before. Yeah. Um, what did, you, had, you had one of the best lines. You texted me one day after you met my grandfather. I think it was at my wedding, actually. Do you remember what you texted me? And, <laughs> you texted me and you said, your, your grandfather looks like a movie villain. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm a little bit scared. I hope he doesn't hear this and find me. No, he, he's, he's been on the pod. He doesn't know how to listen to him, though, so we're safe. It's pretty – so I listened. I was like, I'm going to prepare a little bit for this to know what I'm talking about more than I actually do. And so I started listening to a Rams podcast, and it was it was so bad. I was like, eh, I'm just going to listen to Matthew's podcast <laughs> to prepare instead. And I was more so entertained what, what, by yours than what I What made it bad? Because like, I don't like people who just like pretend like they know what they're talking about more than they do. They sounded like maybe like two high school – not two high school football coaches, two former high school football coaches, <laughs> but one of them was probably like 30. So it wasn't like a former retired. It was like a former – can't get a job um and like <laughs> it just wasn't great i don't know what the yeah. camaraderie or fraternity is that you have with the other nfl podcasters but um it was bad and like the guy didn't live in la it was weird i don't know um but is that a requirement i would, like, to talk I would about rather the Rams? not should be I go, should I find a new any more of this it was stuff that was like um it was basically like conversations I think I would have had with my 12 and 13 year old about like, oh, it was a bad coaching decision, but not like a lot of um, knowledge as to why it may have been a bad coaching decision or, uh, you know, talking or about alternatives like or yeah. tackling. Like, yeah. wow, that's cutting edge. Yeah, just cliche. So, no, anyways, I, your I grandpa think, was better than this. I do think your 12 year old who beats me in Madden and tells me about it. Does, he told me to text him if you want to talk to him on the podcast. 
<laughs> that'll that'll be a that'll be a whole other episode. I do think that's a standalone. Yeah, we'll do yeah. it. We'll do it. All right. Well, they're about to kick off. Thanks for coming on the pod, Danny. All right, man. Well, go Rams, and uh, we'll we'll catch a game together one day. Sounds good. All right. All see right. you, bud. We'll hang. Bye. I love that guy. Oh, um, so the Rams. Rams next week. We're gonna be there in Cleveland. Is there a chance? Oh, there's definitely a chance. I don't think the Rams Do have actually looked they're... all that phenomenal so far this year. Well, they beat the Saints like we just beat the Jets. Yeah, but that it's a Saints team. It was closer than the for most of the game. They lost Drew Brees they middle did. of the game. You know that throws a wrench into yeah, things. They beat the Saints like we just beat the Jets. Yeah. I I mean. I, I don't think the Rams have looked particularly flashy, particularly showy, but I neither have we. We haven't done anything exceptional. We haven't done anything that proves to me that I think we have a chance to beat the Rams next week, if I'm being perfectly honest. If I, if I look at our team on paper and I say the, the pieces that we have, how we played in this Jets game, our offense did not look good. Baker didn't look good. It didn't look like we were connecting. If I'm being completely 100% candid... I don't think we have much of a chance against the Jets, unless, like you guys were saying, we're holding a significant portion of our offense back for the Jets game. I th- so the pattern to beat the Jets is our offense just needs to step up. We've got the, the Rams. The Rams, yeah. Or the Rams, sorry. Yeah, we beat the Jets. We, we did. We <laughs> put out Check. that blueprint already. Check. Um, our offense just needs to step up. We've got the horses on defense. I, I feel solid about our defensive front four being able to rush them not having to to bite on some of that play action because the rams run just an insane amount of play action and that's part of the reason why their offense has been so effective is they've been able to get todd Gurley going and then teams have to bite on that play action um if our linebackers have some freedom to to kind of stay disciplined and like run because our front four can dominate that's See, the that's the pattern for for beating them. I haven't watched all of the Rams games thus far this season, but it seems to me that the piece that's missing from the equation you just explained is that their run game has not been established like it has been in the last year or two. Correct. And I think part of that is because I don't think their offensive line is playing at the same level that it's been playing. They lost Roger Saffold in in free agency, and I think one guard. of their other their left guard got hurt in this game. And I don't know if he came back, but I was watching at a period of time when he went out of the game, and so I think they've got a little bit of injuries. They're nicked up, and they definitely haven't been producing on the ground like they have been. And we've been doing a pretty darn good job against the run so far in the first two weeks. I mean, it's literally the only thing the Jets were trying to do this week, and we stifled it pretty well. So that I'm fairly optimistic. We have good corners to man up on the outside if that's what, the way we want to go. And you just got to trust your guys. I'm actually more worried about our safeties. Demarius Randall did not look good in the, in the first game. He obviously missed tonight's game with a concussion. Um, he needs to be disciplined with his eyes. He cannot fall for, for the play action and get dragged out of the play. He cannot fall for, for Jared Goff's head fake. Like, fall in the eyes. He needs to be disciplined and do his job. Otherwise, he's going to leave our corners on an island and they're going to get toasted every once in a while. All right, here you go. This is what I'm concerned about. Michael Brockers, Aaron Donald, Dante Fowler Jr. against a Baker who has already seemed and shown this entire season that he does not feel comfortable in the pocket. If he doesn't step up into the pocket next week... He, won't, take, he won't be able to. And, and take the spit. Yeah, Aaron Donald's going to be right there. <laughs> You're right, but if he doesn't take the space that's given to him and confidently deliver the ball quickly and effectively, it's going to be a rough road for our offense. Well, it'll be interesting to see what we do because it is the strength of our offensive line against the strength of the Rams' defensive line. And, like, look, Aaron Donald can beat the best interior offensive lineman any day of the week. So even though he's going to be going up against Petonio and Treader. Like, we're still going to need to provide help and kind of, like, layers of protection. It'll be interesting to see our offensive scheme, what we do to kind of get Baker out of that situation as much as possible. I'm also terrified of Dante Fowler coming around the edge against Chris Hubbard. Like, 
lead-footed Chris Hubbard. Uh, Don't say Fowler's not he's that quick, big of though. a threat. He's quick. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to get right around him. We didn't even call Hubbard's name or, like, curse his name the entire day today. So let's give him a little bit of credit. Yeah, because he was going up against short-armed Blake Cashman the whole yeah, day. Yeah, he wasn't going up against anybody. But that gives me at least a little bit of hope that he's at least got some confidence heading into next week. Ugh. That's going to be... It's going to be I think it's going to be ugly. I think it's going to be... We can win this game ugly. Is that the MO of our team now? I think right now it almost needs to be. We don't have the swagger that I was hoping we would have going into this game where, like, I would love for Jared Goff to, like, have to piss all over himself and, like, force some throws Sunday night in Cleveland with our defense, like, flying around all over the place. Like, that's a situation where I think we can succeed and make a difference to potentially win this game. And I just don't see that right now from our team where we like kind of have that killer instinct on either side of the ball, really. I see a little bit of it from our like front four, but it's just not there just yet. So we'll see. I, I'm hoping that they come with a different different fire than we've seen so far, but whew, I'm getting nervous just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be fun. We're going to be in Cleveland. We're going to have a blast regardless of what happens. Last, It's got to be better than the last Browns game we went to, which was Tampa Bay last year. That was oh, devastating. Man. And the time before that, wasn't that Cincinnati two years ago? Oh, yeah. that was, those were our last two games. It was just screenplay after screenplay. <laughs> a bunch of tight end over the middle. We a bunch just of, got demolished. A bunch of red zone interceptions. <laughs> All right, so week after week after week, we decide in the NFL – year that we are going to pick the lines of some of the primetime games. We pick the Thursday night game, we pick the Sunday night game, and then we pick the Browns game. Michael keeps track of these lines every single week, and he likes to brag that he wins every year. Are you winning now, Michael? No, I'm sucking sucking oh, hard. Oh, man. Right now. I had no idea. I've only picked <laughs> one of the six games correctly. Oh, dude. Matthew's sitting at 500, which looks like golden right now. Mark's picked two of them right. So, hey, it's early. There's time for this tied to turn and week three we only are picking two games because we normally pick thursday night sunday night and the browns but the sunday night is the browns so we're picking two games thursday night i don't know if anyone's gonna watch this game the tennessee titans are heading to jacksonville to play the jacksonville jaguars i want the titans titans are favored by this game opened and the jags were favored by like five points and it swung all the way to the Titans, favored by one and a half by now. Oh, internal strife. I'm picking the Titans oh. 10 times out of 10. Yeah, the Jags, when it opened, and which that was probably a little while ago, like I don't think that was this week, um, the Jags were favored by six and a half, and now it's one and a half for the Titans. That's an eight point swing. Yeah. That's insane. And uh, the Titans did not look good this week. In well, the Titans, for, for but they played the Colts, reason, which is a pretty solid team. And for whatever reason, the Titans cannot beat the Colts, no matter what the situation. Like the Titans, just it's the like Colts are the, the thorn in the Titans' flesh. They just cannot do it, and it's comical to be quite honest. Right, um, I'm picking the Titans. I think that this Titans roster is pretty good. I think we saw them week one. They can put some pressure on the quarterback. Their defense is better than people are talking about. Um, and I think if Marcus Mariota doesn't make too many mistakes, he just plays within himself, they can win a bunch of games. I think Vrabel is a fantastic coach. And I'm going to go with the Titans. I, the Jags have been mostly unimpressive. Matthew. We saw the Titans go on the road against the Browns in week one. But I just... That line swing is crazy. I'm going to take the Jags at home. I know they've had a rough week. Jalen Ramsey just requested a trade. We'll, we'll see how that ends up shaking out. But I think that Jags defense is tough. They're going to get after Mariota. The Jags need this win more than the Titans do, I would think. I think the Titans will be going into this game assuming that they can control it and make it happen. And the Jags have enough talent on that defense 
then I think that they can force Mariota into making some mistakes. Like, that's where the Jags have to win. And Minshew looks okay. Has been solid. Minshew has definitely not been bad. Um, Hopefully another week at the helm gives him a little more comfortability. I don't feel great about it, but I'm going to pick the Jags at home. All righty. That takes us to the Rams at the Browns. Do you guys know what the line is on this game? It's probably Rams minus five. Mark, what do you think it is? Rams minus eight. Really? In Cleveland? Eight, eight's too high, but... It's minus three. Ooh. So, Matthew, I'll let you go ahead and pick this one first. This is a hard one. Do I go with my head or do I go with my heart? <laughs> you know what? In this situation, I until I see something else from this Browns offense, it's going to be hard for me to pick to to pick them against a really good team. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Rams minus three here. Boo! How hey, could you, hey, Matthew? Hey. That's the game we're playing. How could you? How could I? I would love to be wrong. I will willingly take that L. I was going to do the exact same thing. I'm just upset you did it first. <laughs> All right, so you both got the Rams? No, I'm picking the Browns. Oh, you're changing your mind now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. We're going to be there. It's going to be hype. Um, Matthew, you're a monster. You have no rationale. You're just picking the Browns because Matthew yes. jumped on the Rams before you. Okay. I had reason to pick the Rams, which I've... <laughs> articulated on this podcast throughout the entire time i i am gonna hold on to the fact that this browns team is an emotional set of human beings that are all over the place and i think the challenge of a game like the rams this is the first game where the browns are coming in and they're not expected to win like i want to see that browns team that's how baker mayfield thrives i think they show up at home, they already lost a home game. They want to show up for the home fans. Three points. We're going to win this game. Let's do it. All right. By more than three. I love it. Thanks. No, so it doesn't have to be more than three. They can lose three by two and we still win. I still win, the, win this oh, bet. Yeah. That's true. All right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We appreciate you. Uh, be sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, like us, give us five stars, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram if you have any questions comments or concerns or something you want us to talk about send us an email send of our fathers at gmail.com we appreciate you guys so much and we will see you this weekend up in cleveland go browns go browns (laughs) 